Hello, everybody. Welcome to the fourth PPSA podcast, this time with the subject of internet freedom. Our list of very special guests today includes Luis Fernando Mises, a consultant that teaches leadership all over the United States. He's also a yoga instructor, a medi- mediation teacher, sorry, meditation teacher, a student of history and economics, a statesman with the Libertarian Party. Uh, welcome, uh, Luis. Thank you very much for coming in today. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. Um, we also have uh, Georgie today with us. He looks after marketing and customer support at BitTube. Welcome, Georgie. Hello. Hello, everyone. And last but not least, uh, we have Johnny from Handshake uh, Domains. Um, welcome. Very nice to have you here. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me. So the, the subject we're discussing today is about internet freedom. And the big question is, can blockchain keep the web free? This is, this is a big matter that um, I think is in a lot of people's heads right now, at least, you know, people that understand the technical side of the internet, but also people who are simply uh, worried about, you know, their freedom online. So I will kick off with the first question. How is internet freedom threatened right now? Johnny, do we want to give your view? Yeah, I can speak. Um, I'll mostly be speaking from the DNS perspective. So with um, from internet domains, but um, yeah, with uh, the current DNS system, um, we've we've talked to some uh, insiders in the traditional, uh, like traditional registrars uh, that run traditional domain registrars, um, and it it looks like domain takedown requests have just been skyrocketing in the last couple years, um, and uh, well, I, I guess before uh, I even mentioned that, uh, right now nobody really owns their domain names; um, it's just controlled by um, you have the registrar level who can take you down, and then you have the actual owners of the top level domains. Uh, let's say .com is VeriSign. Um, so you're just renting domains from them, and they can all take your domain down, um, which is happening more and more, like accelerating um, uh, at a pretty substantial rate. Um, Johnny, would you then, say that this is the definition of centralization? Uh, what's the definition of centralization? No, I mean it, it, the the way that that domains are controlled right now by these central entities. Yeah, um, yeah, pretty textbook definition of uh, centralization, which is also why um, I love using Handshake as a way to bring on no coiners to blockchain in general, um, since uh, it's a little difficult to talk about how. Bitcoin decentralizes um, you know, money, um, since you have to talk about how the banking system works and uh, how like the U.S. Treasury works and stuff. Um, whereas with decentralized domains, you just talk about here, here's domain names that you're already familiar with. Here's why they're centralized, and then here's how we use blockchain to decentralize them. Um, I, immediately, I'm thinking about um, Argo. They're uh, they don't do anything sketchy at all. They're basically um, Vercel, 
but for the decentralized web. So they make it really easy for you to connect your domain name or your handshake domain to uh, your website or app that's built on Arweave um, or like Skynet. Um, and they had their domain taken down by GoDaddy, which makes no sense at all because they're like the most like legit project. There's nothing sketchy about them at all. Um, and yet they had their domain taken down. And I think we're just going to see more and more of these, especially in DeFi and, and um, such. Yeah, absolutely. And Georgie, tell me from the BitU perspective, how, how do, do you guys feel that internet freedom is threatened? So uh, BitTube is about uh, video content. So uh, I think freedom comes with the ability to have a choice. And uh, when you express your opinion, sometimes uh, this opinion doesn't align with uh, the, the some governments or, or what is allowed to be uh, publicly available on the internet. So what we see with BitTube is that uh, a lot of users come from YouTube where uh, their videos being taken down or just not monetized because they're not uh, into the norms. <clears throat> and uh, BitTube uh, tried different ways to uh, host content, video content on the internet, starting with uh, with the Bit.Tube uh, platform, which was the first website in 2018. And uh, by the way, we had uh, experienced uh, domain. The domain was taken, uh, was blocked in Russia uh, for some uh, unknown reason. Probably some uh, content didn't uh, go well in, in Russia. And um, so later on, we moved to the web torrent uh, uh, model of uh, hosting content. And of course, the, the monetization model called Airtime uh, that BitTube developed is ad-free. So we believe hosting of the content and uh, not using ads to monetize that content is uh, the way to to spread uh, more to offer more freedom for people using the internet. Fantastic, um, Luis is a is a user, but also is a thinker. How how do you perceive these these threats? Uh, to our internet freedom. Oh man! Well, I got shut down uh, from YouTube and Facebook. I had a page was Emancipated Human. Uh, it had seventy five thousand likes. I was reaching two to four million people a week back when it was organic reach. It was crazy, and I started uh, posting about white phosphorus attack attacks in Syria. And immediately after I started doing that, I got shut down. They didn't give me any reason, but that was the only thing that I started doing differently. I was trying to do some journalism back in the day, and right off the bat, I was like, "Okay, like that—that—that that, that really scared me." Because if somebody can just flip a switch, just like that, if you're posting something that people don't like, then you know, 
they can shut me down just like that. And, and why are all of these other big media people allowed to do things, you know? So that kind of led me into really understanding that the media outlets are just thought puppets of the machinery and they're just feeding certain narratives to people. So, you know, from the start, I was really freaked out because of that. I, I received death threats. I received all sorts of things, even from people that were following the channel, just, you know, because they were like, oh, that's not true, this and that. Like people that had cognitive dissonance from the content. So I can understand, like, if you are posting stupid shit, you know, like, okay, maybe you shouldn't do that. But if you're like really reporting the news and you're really doing uh, journalism, that you should be allowed to do it. But, you know, so th that was my first encounter. Um, I also did a lot of cop block back in the day, I don't know, 10 years ago. I don't know if you guys know about that. Here in the United States, we had really big uh, police brutality. So we started going out with our weapons and just pulling out our phone and reporting the police. And we got chastised for that too. So, you know, over and over again, I keep seeing that these guys just have the power to do whatever the hell they want. So I think the, the um, OI websites, okay, so let me back up real quick. So then I was like, okay, I'm gonna make my own fucking server through everybody else, right? But even then, like you guys mentioned, who owns the .com, you know? Like, and why do I have to pay $200 every year? I don't own that name, you know? So I've been thinking more um, recently about like going into the blockchain because then that's centralized. That cannot be taken down and the name will be mine forever. I only have to pay once. Um, so I think it's really important that we really realize that even though, you know, we have access to the means of production, we can have our own media, we can have all of these things. We're only allowed to do things that they deem um you know, like you could do, not just anything. So that's really scary, you know? No, absolutely, absolutely, I hear you. Okay, so if this is the situation we're in right now and we have several parts of the internet that worry us, that, you know, certain parts are very, very centralized, um, there is censorship, which is, you know, widely applied right now, the situation seems to be getting worse than better. So what can we do to democratize the internet? Johnny, what's your view on what needs to be done right now for that? Yeah, from, um, again, I, I only speak from the DNS perspective, but um, I mean, this, this one, <laughs> I guess we're really biased because I am, um, I do re uh, represent Handshake in this case. Uh, but you can just get yourself a Handshake name um, since it's already um, fully decentralized. There's no central authority. Uh, it's permissionless. You don't need to get permission from anyone to get yourself a Handshake name that you yourself truly own. Um, and with that, it means it's uncensorable. Nobody can take it away from you. Um, nobody can prevent others um, from accessing your website as well. That sounds pretty uh, democratized to me. Brilliant. Okay. Um, Luis, you wanted to jump in before. What do you think is are the most important parts 
of democratizing the internet? Where should we well, be looking? I think it is my experience that the very first thing we need to do is to educate people because you can have the best of everything and people are not going to use it because they don't know what it is. They don't know that it, it even exists. So, you know, the idea of the activists or even the influencer, you know, a lot of people cringe on the influencers. I think that they're actually great. So if we're able to spread the word and let everybody know, hey, this is happening. And they hear it from various angles. You know, people are going to start using it because if they don't, they're just going to stay focused on, you know, the, the, the news at eight o'clock or whatever. So education is paramount. I actually really agree with that sentiment. It's, um, I think one of the issues with the decentralized web is simply that um, not enough people really know um, these efforts are happening and the, all the technology stacks, right? You have the naming layer, you have the hosting layer, the storage layer, like they're all ready. <laughs> these, these decentralized web projects, um, it's ready to go. So um, at this point, it's really getting the word out. And the more people who know that this movement is happening, um, the more democratized the internet becomes because just the way like Web3 as a whole is set up is inherently um, democratic. I, I agree with both of you because essentially what, what the situation we have here is that the, the internet is extremely centralized. It's being strangled right now from various directions and people need to know how to escape that. And if they don't know how to escape that, then they just follow the normal channels and then they get constantly constricted by the systems and the processes and everything that has been put in place to offer you know, the, the full benefits of the internet you know, to the big corporations again and not to everybody as it was intended. Georgie, from your point of view, how do you see the democratization of the internet? What, what are the essential elements? I was going to say the same, uh, that the first step is education. And uh, we're very happy joining the BPSAA uh, for, for this main goal to educate uh, people to, that there are alternatives. And um, I think uh, user experience always searches the least resistance. And uh, people will continue using centralized services if we, if we don't make uh, it easy for them to access information that is decentralized, uh, that respects uh, freedom of speech and so on. Um, I yeah. think you're touching on a very, very, very good point there. Absolutely. I, 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 I agree with you 100%. So proje projects uh, that work on decentralization and uh, the one of the most important thing, in my opinion, is to, to enable uh, users to access uh, easy. For, uh, let, let's give an example. Um, uh, the first BitTube platform, Bit.Tube, that doesn't exist anymore. Um, we enabled, when you search for a video, 
and because we were, we were a new project and there there were not so much content uh, if uh, the if our search doesn't find what you search for it will show you uh, youtube embeds within the platform and uh, so basically you you could watch youtube through bittube and uh, still you get some rewards of tubes because you're using the the bittube system and uh, the funny story is that we had so many uh, reports that from owners why why you have my uh, you stole my content you you uploaded your video and although there was a badge that this is an YouTube embed, people couldn't uh, make the difference. And <laughs> that's why we removed it. It was very frustrating of all the reports. People couldn't uh, recognize that. And here again comes the education. Okay, so from, from what I gathered so far, we have spoken about how the how internet freedom is threatened we spoke about you know some steps we need to take to democratize the internet education you know ease of use and so forth which parts of the internet do we need to take back though i mean from what johnny said so far i understood that dns is an important element of the internet that controls all the addresses of all websites and if that's controlled by one central entity, um, then that's a huge problem. But what other parts of the internet, apart from DNS, do we need to take back? Storage, maybe? Hosting? So this is something that Ether Protocol looks after, don't they? So basically, Ether Protocol... Um, they offer decentralized storage and then they are one of the members of the BPSA. But what other parts of the internet you think are critical in, in, in taking back? If I can share, I, I think um, definitely storage, uh, because there's a lot of people that don't know that the cloud is just somebody else's computer. Like it's not a magical thing that's in the sky. You know, uh, and if we really tell people, like, you're just trusting somebody else with your stuff, you know, like if we make that point, you know, they will probably understand. So again, to education, but also I think like privacy is our own um, responsibility. So speaking on, on channels that are um, more secure and uh, using systems that will keep us, you know, a lot of people say, well, that's too many steps. And, and yeah, I agree. Because it's a it's a battle against you know using so many calories like we're still thinking in tribal terms, but the idea is like life doesn't get better or worse, it just gets more complex. And every step, every year, every whatever, we have to make sure that we understand how life works. For instance, you know my my grandma at this point she's elderly, and I tell my kids you know she's kind of like a, a first iPad that cannot do the new operating system upload. Just they can't. You know, so every generation has to be able to understand things better and apply things. So, you know, your responsibility is to make sure that you are not getting tracked. So on your phone, like what apps are you using? Or even if you're using normal apps, do you let them track you? You know, there's ways about it. 
I think that's like the most important thing beyond, um, you know, like what else do we need to get? Like, yeah, just get your safety back, you know? From a technical perspective, uh, Johnny, uh, apart from DNS, what what else is there which which you know can can cloak up the internet? Because obviously there is another fear out there from a lot of people, and and you could say that it's valid that governments at any point in time now can switch off the internet. This is one a valid concern because in some countries it has already happened. And we also know that certain governments have policies, you know, communication policies when there is a crisis where they, you know, they like to switch off certain communication. So that is kind of like a real fear. Is there something happening in blockchain to counter that from what you guys know? Yeah, the the question before was, uh, what parts of the internet do we need to take back? And I wanted to respond with every part. Um, there, there are many, many layers to the internet, right? All handshake handles is the naming layer, the, uh, the domain name system layer. Uh, but under that, you have, um, you know, your names need to point to something, um, an IP address. Those need to be uh, taken back. Um, you, th- those are literally, like, the only way to get an IP address these days is to get it on the secondary market. There is no way to um, get one for yourself. Um, in any other way. But um, I do know some projects um, that are working on this. Um, I'm thinking, I think it's called TNS blockchain um, is one. And then you go under that. We've been talking about storage this whole time. Um, So that's great. You guys already covered that. Um, There's even like cloud computing. So you have like Amazon Web Services. Uh, That's pretty centralized. Is there a way to... um, take that back as well. Is that um, not what IPFS is doing, Johnny? No, I think IPFS is more about the storage layer. Um, if it comes to cloud computing, I'm thinking about Akash Network. Uh, hosting, you mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, so IPFS for hosting, right? Um, and, then you, and then you have like the AWS, like cloud computing side, um, which uh, Akash Network is um, providing a blockchain-based decentralized form of that um, as well. They're a direct competitor to AWS. Um, so these these layers, um, there, are, there are already projects um, that have created the uh, democratized solutions for um, each of these layers of the internet. Um, so I would say every every we need to take back every part of it. Um, but the amazing thing is, um, the solutions are already here; they already exist. Um, so that's what we were talking about earlier. About really at this point is getting the word out that hey, the decentralized web is ready for you. Um, you just need to take a look. Um, it, but you mentioned shutting off, like governments shutting off uh, access to the internet. Yeah. Um, the first thing I'm thinking about is Turkey. Um, when they kind of blocked access to Wikipedia and um, other websites. Um, that was actually a pretty low-level censorship attempt. Um, they just kind of, uh, like, the way around it was just to point your DNS resolver to, like, anything else. So people were um, spray tag or, like, spray painting uh, 1.1.1.1 Cloudflare's DNS resolver. 
Um, and just, just doing that alone was sufficient to uh, get around that censorship. Um, but then you have like, if you go a little deeper, then you have like the actual ISPs um, who might just straight up shut down your connection to the internet. Um, that's why I'm personally pretty excited about efforts like Starlink, um, where your internet just gets beamed down <laughs> from space, um, and it's going to be pretty hard to sh shut that down, um, unless um, I guess SpaceX decides to do so. I wanted to do, I wanted to ask you about that. I think there are a few blockchain outfits that are working on alternatives way uh, alternatives to the cable, right? So. So there are some that work with radio waves and other with other technologies with, which are not relying on cables to transmit sort of internet connections. Um, I would love to learn a little bit more about them. Um, I, I'm thinking about helium currently. Yeah, but yeah even exactly. Helium, but you still need to connect to your existing internet in order for a while, helium to work. So it's right. not a direct solution to that. They, you still, re my understanding is that you still need to connect to the traditional Wi-Fi in order to, um, for the Helium network to even work. So if your traditional internet gets shut down, then Helium still gets shut down anyways. That, that's my yeah, understanding. But yeah, the, the solutions yeah. I've heard of is that the you know the miners they provide they also act as the actual transmitter. So they have you know they are more sort of successful in urban areas because there is more of them, and you need to have uh, one every certain amount of meters or you know a certain distance uh, for it to work. But what happens if my so say I'm running a hotspot, a helium hotspot. Um, in my house, what happens if my Wi-Fi just shuts off? If I just turn off the router, right? does my hotspot still work? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, but if it yeah. did, then that's a completely different conversation. Like that, yeah. that would be very, very, very interesting. If all um, a helium hotspot needed to do was just to have um, connection to another helium hotspot, that would be amazing. Brilliant. So, I mean, okay, we, we, we went through quite a lot of um, stuff in terms of what, what's going on out there. But really, um, I want to go back to something that Georgie mentioned a while back, which was that if we don't make it easy enough for users to adapt to the decentralized internet, then we're never going to get rid of those centralized services. So what are the key challenges that we're facing right now from a project perspective? Um, um, Georgie, what, 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 are the, what is the most difficult thing about introducing people to decentralized technology like the one offered by BitTube? BitTube is focused on providing peer-to-peer -peer, uh, video streaming. And the biggest challenge for BTube is uh, the network effect, meaning uh, because we're a, a new project, uh, there are not so many people uh, watching videos on the platform. And if a certain video has only one peer and another person wants to view that video, uh, there will be some uh, lagging and uh, disturbing of uh, the video. Uh, 
so our biggest challenge is to expand the user base and uh, have videos. Uh, so uh, the videos are uh, their partition partitions of a video into a lot of computers. But before these partitions get distributed to that computers, the user needs to, to have watched the video. And uh, that, that creates the barrier for expansion. And um, uh, the other biggest challenge for us is that uh, when people search for something, maybe they don't find it on BitTube because it's uh, it's it's not on the on the web torrent uh, network. Thank you for that, Johnny. When it comes to the domain names that you know Handshake offers, um, I mean, I know right now from what I understand, there's a little bit of a process sort of to access them. Is there plans for you to launch a special browser where you can just browse, um, you know, alternative domains like uh, Handshake domains? Yeah, uh, I do think um, that's great that you brought that point up. Uh, I think the key challenge for Handshake is um, the resolution part. The single most highly trafficked uh, content that we have is uh, how do I access Handshake domains? <laughs> so um, that that is um, one of its key challenges. Um, you ask, are there? Uh, you're you're asking about a browser option essentially. Um, there actually exists a couple browsers that already support Handshake. One was specifically built for Handshake. Um, the name is slipping my head. Um, the other one is Puma Browser. It's a mobile um, privacy browser um, that just natively resolves Handshake. So you don't need to do anything. You download the browser and you're surfing uh, the decentralized the, the web through Handshake. That's amazing. Um, yeah. And on top of that, there's also... Um, there's also uh, collaborations with um, other, uh, I I'm thinking about Sentinel, which um, uh, a little disappointed they're, they're not here because uh, we have some pretty awesome news uh, to share alongside them. But essentially, if you connect to Sentinel VPN, then you also have access to Handshake. So you don't even need to download a specific browser um, as long as you're using Sentinel, you're, you have, right, the, the VPN encrypts your uh, internet traffic, but then you also get access to the uh, decentralized handshake um, internet. Oh, wow. Is that a bit of a news, a new collaboration with Sentinel? Yeah, um, we're actually uh, should be, I, I think they already announced it, but the handshake side of things wasn't explicit. We are saving that for a second, uh, separate announcement. So um, mm. yeah, I like breaking news. I love I love breaking news. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fantastic, fantastic. Um, Luis, from from your point of view, again, is uh, you know, is somebody who who believes in uh, in the libertarian movement. What do you think are the key challenges for us to to sort of take back uh, the internet from those those centralized entities? You know, apart from like some of the technical challenges the the guys mentioned already. 
really honestly, I think that the problem is not even the government. The problem is not any of the, the seemingly bad guys. The problem is that people tend to be lazy and they're not going to look out for a better alternative because why? They're happy, you know, they, they are content with their lives. Like, it, it's too much work. And, and, and I mean, I've been an activist for, it's going to be 12 years. And, and that's what I keep seeing. So that, in my perspective, the challenge is people tend to be lazy. So how do we inspire liberty? How do we do that? And, and that's been my focus. Once I realized that, I stopped trying to convince people. You know, I just focus on people that are already in the mindset and I just push them a little more. Because if, like, if you spend countless hours arguing with people on Facebook, things like that, like that never takes you anywhere. You know, yes, I was able to convert some people, but that, that doesn't, that's not a good use of your time. So in my perspective, that is the biggest challenge. And so also, you know, as, as a consultant and, and even a student of, of, of shamanism and all those things, like we are, um, uh, there's a lot of noise out there and we have to pierce through that noise and, and get people to hear us. And how do we do that? We, like, we try to live the best life that we can. You know, we, we show them by doing. So inspiration, you know, kind of like the movie Inception. Like if you tell them to do something, they're not going to do it, especially because people don't like to be told what to do. So you, the problem is that, you know, they're kind of lazy. You, you said that the bad guys are not the problem. I actually would go one step further to say to you that the bad guys are the solution. So if, if we're going to gain anything, we're going to have, you know, Zuckerberg and Bezos and all these people to thank because, you know, they're turning on the screws on people. They're, you know, Google and the likes are pushing them out of the platforms, censoring them left, right and center. And I think this is how people are starting to understand the value of their freedom, of their privacy and of their security online. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I think that most of those guys uh, started with, you know, a good idea and probably even a good heart. But to be able to get to the point where they're at, they have to, you know, start dancing with the devil. So, but the way I see it, like I tell you, there's not, it's not that things get better or worse, they just get more complicated. So your point is, I love it. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I don't think we thank Mark enough for all he has done for privacy and freedom. Yeah, and like, I mean, Apple, you know, there's a lot of people that shit on Apple. Like, I absolutely love them because they gave the finger to the United States government. They're the only ones that have done that, that have had the balls to say no, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, um, in terms of plans for the future... And, and, and sort of talking to, to Handshake and BitTube, what, what are your projects now doing to retain internet freedom? You know, is there any immediate plans you have? I mean, you know, we heard from Johnny and a, and a great news about a partnership with Sentinel, which obviously offered DVPN services, which, you know, help you keep your privacy online. Um, but what else are you guys doing right now to, to push towards that direction and help us, you know, keep the internet free. Uh, is that for me? Yeah, sure, for both of you, you and Georgie. 
Yeah, um, we're providing uh, uncensorable domain names that you can actually own. Yeah, which means um, you're, uh, I mean, there's so many layers to the internet, so. Should we start saying not your keys, not your domains? Yeah, <laughs> actually though, right? <laughs> um, not your keys, absolutely not your domains. Um, and yeah, with Handshake, you actually, um, yeah, your, your domains are in your wallet now, um, which is a pretty crazy concept. Um, compared, I mean, if you have like a hardware wallet, then you could literally say you have your domain in your pocket, um, your physical pocket, which is kind of an absurd concept. Um, geez. <laughs> it is, especially for those people that don't know where their login details to the website are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, but then you, you still have the private key and stuff, but. Of course, yeah. Yeah. I think to to protect your privacy, um, you need to have multiple layers of defense. And from the BitTube perspective, and uh, talking from the uh, as a BitTube talking from the perspective of content creators, um, probably it's a good idea to have your uh, videos uh, and to uh, upload it to platforms where you are sure that uh, it's the content it's uh, your own you you own the content and the hosting of this content and uh, it's distributed so uh, for example bittube.tv it's a hybrid platform where uh, it's it's between it's peer to peer, but also and uh, with a BitTube servers. So the distribution of the videos is backed up via uh, URI, uh, where where uh, in cases if uh, we are forced by by uh, legal legal enforcement to uh, remove a post. Uh, Having the URI, URI uh, video, your video will be still uh, accessible and not deleted from uh, from the internet. Just the post will be removed. And for this to happen, uh, uh, we we will need uh, official official uh, document. Uh, and uh, what we really uh, Mm, try to to not do is to be the 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 middleman who will decide which video to stay online and which not. Uh, that's why uh, there is a moderation uh, area, and uh, we are thinking how people how to decentralize uh, when there is a dispute. Uh, what content should be removed and uh, and what content should stay? Uh, for some cases, very easy to decide. Let's say if we see it's uh, adult content, we don't allow this. There's other platforms that uh, allow this. We remove it. Uh, but when it comes to uh, freedom of speech and hate speech, the the, the limit uh, and uh, it's very fine. And here is very difficult to decide 
uh, what is right and what is not. And that's why decentralization is important, right? So, so there's kind of some kind of democratic moderation, and that moderation doesn't come from centralized entities. Wow, this this discussion has been amazing. I wish we could go on forever. You you guys have been incredible. Um, so thank you very much for coming in today. Um, I, I want to specifically thank Luis uh, for coming in at such short notice and, and giving us his thoughts. Georgie from um, the BitTube project, Johnny from Handshake Domains. Um, do you guys want to send a final message to the people that are listening to us right now? Um, yeah, I, I would just, um, it, it seems like um, a lot of our conversation today was about um, just getting the word out for um, the decentralized web uh, movement. Um, and it all comes down to uh, adoption at the end of the day, um, which is why we're here. Because we're all, that's one of the a big reasons why the BPSAA exists in the first place. Um, so, yeah, uh, let's just keep pushing along. I would like to thank all content creators that uh, uh, post their work on BitTube and encourage them to keep the good work. I am super. Um happy that i spent an hour with you guys uh i think this is really good content that needs to get out again education sharing spreading the word and i think it's not enough to be right we also have to be effective you know so keeping that in mind and just sharing and whatever we can do thank you thank you very much and to everybody who's listening um don't forget that our next installment is about interoperability and the question if blockchains can work together and the key challenges of cross-chain consensus protocols. So that's going to be a technical talk, but very, very interesting. So don't miss that. Thank you all for your time. Thank you to all the guests for coming today and see you at the next podcast.